Good morning. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, how many of you knew that you shall love your neighbor as yourself was a quote from Leviticus? Anybody know that? Was that a, was that a revelation? You know, as disciples of Jesus, when Jesus' disciples ask, what does it mean to follow you? What does it look like to follow you? Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the main ways that we can do that, we started talking about last week, is with our words. Proverbs tells us that the tongue has the power of death and the tongue has the power of life. You can either use your tongue to kill, to tear down, to hurt people, or you can use your tongue to build up, to encourage, and, and to give life. And one of the main ways we said, we started talking last week about gossip, and we said that, you know, gossip is one of those things that none of us likes to think of ourselves as a gossip. We all like to think of that's a problem that somebody else has. You know, um, I, I know it's something that I personally struggle with, and I think it's something that lots of us struggle with. And it's not just a, a women's problem, it's a, it's a women's problem and a men's problem and an adult's problem and a kid's problem. It's something that, that we all struggle with. And one of the reasons gossip is so is so insidious is because it doesn't seem that harmful. You know, I don't have to preach a sermon to tell you not to, not to scream obscenities at your spouse, right? What we all kind of know if we do that, we, we would feel guilty. But sometimes gossip, it, it can just feel kind of, it, it doesn't feel like that big of a deal, but it's actually one of the most destructive things that can take place in a community, whether it's in a church, whether it's in a workplace, whether it's in a family. And so what we talked about last week, and I'm looking at this, uh, this handout, um, what we talked about last week, if you look at this picture here, we said that the way gossip works is basically person number one does something or says something or doesn't say something or doesn't do something that offends person number two. And person number two is frustrated. They have the, the Peanuts cartoon cloud of, of frustration over their head. Right? They're, they're frustrated, and, and it bothers them. And very often what happens in this, in this situation is, what do they do? They, you know, they, they, they can't just let it go. They don't want to just let it go. They don't want to go have an uncomfortable conversation with person number one, so they go to person number three, and they start to, to gossip. And the reason God tells us not to gossip, um, it, it's the same reason that I tell my kids not to drink bleach. Okay? It's not because I'm mean and I just want everything done my way, it's because I really, I like, my, I like my kids. And I like having them alive. And I like having them being able to run around and not vomit. <laughs> right? So in the same way, God tells us not to gossip because when we dwell on bitterness and unforgiveness and the hatred, we're poisoning ourselves. We're poisoning ourselves. And when we go and gossip to other people, we're not only poisoning ourselves, we're poisoning others as well. So what we saw last week is that as followers of Jesus, when we are frustrated, when somebody does something that offends us, we basically have two options. It's not an option for us to, to gossip, or, or it is an option, but it's one as followers of Jesus that we're trusting him to turn away from and to deny and to instead go in a different direction. We basically have two options. The first option is to let it go. Just let it go. And, and what we talked about last week is that you know, it, it can be kind of counterintuitive in this culture where we, we just glorify our feelings and we act like every feeling that 
anybody has is a feeling that the whole world needs to know about, right? The idea that you would be frustrated, that you would be angry, that you'd be offended, and you would just kind of let it go. You would agree to, to stop dwelling on it, to stop talking about it. That can seem kind of hard, but, but that's actually, that should be our first line of defense against conflict and against gossip is that we just learn to let it go. You, know, you just stop, stop drinking the poison. You just let it go. You say, you know what? That person offended me. I didn't like what they did. I don't like the way they're handling this, but I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit focus on them, and I'm not going to get distracted by this. That's the first option is to just, just let it go. Make like Elsa and just let it go. And the second option, I heard some groans there. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the, the, the second option, the second option is to go and have a direct conversation. Okay? To go, person number one, to go to person, to person number two, to go to person number one, and to have a direct conversation. To talk about this thing that they were offended by, this thing that person number one said, this thing that person number one did, that they didn't like, that they think needs to be addressed somehow. And there's different reasons why sometimes we can't let something go. Sometimes it's because it just hurts us so much. It just bothers us so much and we start to realize, okay, if I keep that inside, if I just try to, if I just try to move on from that, I'm praying about it, I'm trying to forgive, but if I, if I just keep that inside, I'm just gonna become bitter. It hurts me too much to just, to just let it go. The second reason sometimes is maybe it's too big of a deal. You know, you see somebody do something or you see somebody say something and it's like, you know, um, I think I owe it to this person to actually address this because it's for their good and I want to help them, right? So here's my question for you that I want you to think about as we jump in this morning. Who is somebody that you have been talking about that you need instead to go and talk to? Who is somebody that you've been talking about that instead you need to go and talk to? And this could be different for, for different people. Who is somebody that you have been talking about that you need to go and talk to? And maybe it's a spouse. Maybe you're in a situation where you find yourself, every time you get together with your, with your small group, you get together with your friends, you find yourself just complaining about your husband. All the ways he's disappointed you, all the ways that he... You know, that he's let you down or complaining about your wife, how she gets on your nerves or how, well, whatever it is. Maybe you've been talking about your spouse in your, your men's group or in your gather group or in your, your small group or just with your friends and said you need to go to your spouse and stop talking about them and instead talk, talk to them. Maybe this could be a parent. You know, um, I'm a millennial. I'm kind of on the older side of, of millennials. Um, but we millennials, we, are, we tend to be pretty in touch with our feelings. And we tend to be in touch with the ways that people have disappointed us. And we tend to like to talk about those things, right? And it's, it's good to process 
ways that we have felt disappointed. It's good to process ways that I, I, we've been hurt by our parents. But maybe for some of us, we need to stop talking about our parents and go and talk to our parents. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your adult kids or your, your young kids. Okay, maybe it's a, Maybe you see decisions they're making or things that they're doing and you find yourself kind of commiserating with other empty nesters like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what so-and-so did. And maybe it's a situation where you need to stop talking about them and go and talk and talk to them. I think sometimes, this one hits close to home for us obviously, but I think sometimes it's church leadership. Sometimes it's church leadership. So often, when somebody is frustrated with a decision that's made in a church, something that's said in a church, building-related things, something that's said in a sermon, whatever it is, so often, a ministry in the church, so often, the church leaders are the last people to hear about it. And please don't hear me wrong here. We believe, I say this all the time, we aren't the performers and you aren't the audience, right? Church is not something that you come to. It's something that we are all a part of. And we strongly believe that God, as God helps us grow as a church, as God helps us become more like Christ, as God helps us reach our community, we strongly believe that God is going to help us grow and give us ideas, not by giving it to just to Matt or to me or to David or to to somebody else, but by giving it to, to you, by putting it in the hearts of our church members so you can bring it to us and help us be a better church. But what it takes is when there's that thing that you don't think is being handled well or when there's that thing that's said that you don't think should be said or whatever the case may be, you know, our commitment to you, my commitment to, to you as a pastor is that if there's something that you have a concern about, that you're frustrated by, that you think needs to be done better, and, and you come and you talk to us, we're going to listen. We're going to take it really seriously. Because we believe that this is the way, one of the primary ways that God helps us grow as a church. And what we would ask your commitment to us to be would be that when you do see a way that our church needs to get better, you would talk to us about it instead of talking about it through gossip. Right? So what are, who are some people that you might have been talking about that you need instead to start talking to. Well, um, go ahead and turn your sheet over to the back side here. When we, start, when we talk about this conversation where we say, okay, there's this thing that's bothering me. I'm not able to let it go, either because it just hurts me too much, it bothers me too much, or maybe because it's just too big of a deal. There's this thing that I'm not able to just let, let go. So what should I do about it? I'm not gonna gossip about it. I wanna go to person number one and talk about it. If that's what you're doing, then there is a word in Hebrew in the Old Testament for this, and that word is yakach. Yakach. Everybody say yakach. 
Gesundheit. Right? Yakach. This is the Hebrew word for basically when you go and you talk to somebody else. You go and you talk to somebody else about something you see in their life that bothers you. Okay, you go and you talk to somebody else instead of just being bitter and dwelling on it or gossiping about it. You go and you talk to somebody in your life about something that you see in their life that's bothering you. Okay, and so what we have here, um, when we talk about this Hebrew word, going and having this direct conversation, person number two with person number one, or person number three and person number two, going and talking to person number one, this word is translated different ways. It's probably most commonly translated rebuke. It can also be translated to correct. It could be translated to reprove. But probably my favorite way that it's translated, and this is in the, the passage that Jeff just read in, in Leviticus 19, where it says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but instead you shall yakach with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. And what it says is, do not hate your brother in your heart, instead you shall reason frankly with him. You have a conversation where you say, hey, this is what I see going on, and I want you to tell me what you see going on, and you reason frankly and directly and openly and honestly, but also lovingly and respectfully, okay? So what does it look like to have this conversation? What I've got here at the, kind of on the sides of this page, so what we have is person number two, you know, got the, the Peanuts cartoon dirt cloud of frustration over their head. And, you know, they, maybe they went to person number three, and person number three said, hey, you know what, person number two, this really sounds like you're kind of getting into gossip. You know, why don't we go to person number one, and we can talk about this with, with him or with her directly. And so, so they do. So person number two is talking to person number one. And here are three proverbs that I think, if you're in that position of person number two, you're going to reason frankly with somebody about something you see in their life that bothers you. Here's three proverbs that I think will give us a lot of good advice to know how to handle those types of situations. Okay, number one. First of all, this one has to do with being proactive. Okay, being proactive. Proverbs 25, 11, and 12 says, a word spoken at the right time is like gold apples in a silver setting. A wise correction, and there's that word again, a wise correction to a receptive ear is like a gold ring or a precious ornament. So what this is saying is that so often we think of these conversations, what can sometimes be an uncomfortable conversation, where somebody sees something in your life or you see something in somebody else's life that you think they, they need to address, and so you go and talk to them about it, we see that as being a really bad thing, right? We like to believe that we just live in this world where nobody's going to get on our nerves, no leader's going to make a decision we think is wrong, you know, where, where our life group's just going to be completely harmonious all the time, and so there'll be nothing to talk about, but the Bible says that's not the real world, Okay, that's not the real world. And what this is saying in Proverbs is that it's actually a beautiful thing when you have somebody, when person number one loves person number two, and they go and they talk to them frankly and honestly and wisely, and then when person number one receives it, and they take it to heart, and they actually learn from it, that is a beautiful thing. 
That is a beautiful, precious thing. But I want you to notice one word that it says here. It says, a word spoken at the right time. Okay, if you have a pen, underline, circle, highlight, at the right time. Okay, so, so often when we, when, we wanna, when we finally bring something up with, some, with somebody, something that's been bugging us, I think so often what we do is we, we, wait until, we wait until the person does the thing that's really taking us off. We wait until we're like in the moment with them and we see them do it and we're like, oh my gosh, there you go again. And I've been wanting to talk to you about this. And, we, and you, just kind of, you just kind of let it all spew out right there in the moment. And that's not the right time, <laughs> okay? Um, I, what, what I'm saying from this verse is be proactive, be proactive. Don't just be lazy and wait until the next time that you see it happen when you're going to be mad, where they're going to probably be upset, where, where nerves are kind of, there's pressure on your nerves, and it just kind of spews out and you're angry and, you know, you don't really think about how you say it. Look for the right time. Be proactive to say, okay, I'm going to choose a time that I, I think is going to be appropriate where we're going to, things are going to be going well, you know, where we're not mad at each other, we're not fighting, and I'm going to go and choose this time to go and talk to this person, this friend or this spouse or this coworker, or this pastor or this person in my life group or, or whoever it is. Okay, I'm going to choose a time. You know, when Lindsay and I were first married, um, I, I can be a pretty critical and demanding person. It's kind of who I am. Lindsay is a very laid back and uh, very easygoing person. And so what we found out was happening really early on in our marriage is that um, you know, I would see stuff, especially after we had our, our first child, I would see stuff that would, that would kind of bug me. And I'm kind of walking around with that peanuts, dirt cloud of frustration over my head. And just, you know, little things. And, um, and I would do what I thought was giving Lindsay some helpful feedback. Is that really, is, is that, that's, that's, what, that's what, you know, Valerie's going to wear? Okay. Is that, oh, oh is that, that's, how we're, that's how we're taking care of that? Oh, okay, all right, yeah, I, I don't know. And kind of in the moment, and some of you are chuckling because you can guess that was not like a golden apple and a silver ornament. Um, and what I had to learn to do is instead of, I would have these frustrations in my head, and, and then I would see it happen, and I would say, you know what, I've been meaning to talk with you about this. And I would just kind of, you know, let it out right there in the moment. And very understandably, Lindsay would not, that would make her feel attacked, that would make her feel uncomfortable. And I realized I was just beating her down. I was just wearing her down on a daily basis because there were so many things that I thought I was trying to be helpful and be, you know, constructive criticism or, or whatever, but, but it wasn't working. And so what we finally decided we needed to do, we would have a family meeting, Okay, we had a family meeting that we decided would be once a week. And what I committed to do, this wasn't the only thing we talked about, but what we both committed to do, and I say we, but it was really me, because like I said, I'm kind of critical and demanding, and Lindsay's really accepting and easygoing. But what, I, what we promised to do is that, okay, we will not, if we have constructive criticism for each other, we will save it for that meeting. Okay? If I see something that I don't think is the best with the kids or with the house or with, you know, with ministry or whatever it is, or if she sees something in me that she thinks needs to be improved, we're going to save it for that meeting. And you know what happens sometimes? Once you have to wait a few days to talk about it, it stops being quite as big of a deal. And you realize, you know what? I think I can let that go. And so you just let it go. 
Okay, maybe that's something for you that you need to have a time with your spouse where you just kind of say, okay, we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to give each other constructive feedback except for this particular time. Maybe you need to go to a friend. You need to choose a time to go to a friend and to talk to them about something that's been bothering you. Okay, that's number one. The second one for person number two in this situation, be gentle and humble. Be gentle and humble. Proverbs 25, 15 says, with patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. With patience, a ruler will be persuaded and a soft tongue may break a bone. What this is talking about is that so often when we imagine ourselves coming to somebody and reasoning frankly with them about something we think needs to be addressed, so often we think we, we have to show them we mean business. You know, I've got to show them that I'm not going to let them push me around. I've, I've got to show them I'm serious about this, right? And so we, we come in and we're kind of hot-headed and, and we're, we're trying to think how we can say this in the way that's going to just really, you know, cut past their defenses and all that type of stuff. And, and, and we think that by being louder, by being angrier, by being more forceful, that somehow that's going to be more likely to get through to them. But what this proverb is saying, that actually is not the case. That very often, it's somebody who is patient in the way they communicate that ends up actually getting through to the person they're trying to communicate with. Very often, it's not the person that is loud and angry and overly negative that's going to actually change the mind of the person they're talking to, it's the person that's very gentle, the soft word that can actually end up breaking the bone that can be more powerful than the harsh word. What does it look like in these conversations to be gentle and to be humble instead of being aggressive and being domineering? Well, a couple of things here. So, uh, one of the things, when Lindsay and I were living in China, we're working with a missions organization, one of the things that, that I did is I became a certified um, consultant with a personality test called uh, the Berkman Method. Some of you might, uh, might have heard of it, might have not. It's one of those, like, uh, MBTI or, or those types of things that helps people learn how to communicate better and use different personality traits to kind of uh, resolve conflict and, and work together more effectively and stuff like that. And one of the things that we measured in, in this particular personality assessment, one of the things we measured is how direct people tend to be when they're communicating hard things, okay? And what's interesting is we measured it both ways. We measured how people tend to like to communicate. When you're, when you're person number two talking to person number one, do you tend to prefer to be more direct or less direct? And we'd also measure when you're in the shoes of person number one and somebody's coming to you and talking to you about something that might be a little bit difficult, do you prefer them to be more direct or less direct? Okay, that's, that's what we measure. So, and, and what, what was the case almost 100% of the time is that the vast, 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 vast majority of people tend to communicate very directly with other people but when they're the one who's on the receiving end, 
they appreciate a lot more indirectness. Isn't that interesting? And what a lot of people make the mistake of doing is that you see somebody who's, you know, very outspoken, who's very blustery, who's gonna, who's, who really is very forward with their opinion, and we assume, oh, they must, be, they must be talking that way because they want people to talk that way to them. That's usually not the case. That's usually not the case. We think, okay, they're being so harsh with their words, only a harsh word is going to get through, and that's actually not the case. It's, it's usually the soft word that's going to get through. Well, one of the ways as we think about communicate, we all tend to be sensitive in these ways, and not everybody, but most people, again, communicate more directly with others than they would like others to communicate with them. One of the things you can do as you're talking about these things is just to affirm the relationship, to affirm the relationship as you start, and share some things that you appreciate about the person, not just making them up, not just kind of patronizing the person, but genuine things that you really appreciate about the person before and as and after you communicate this thing that's a little bit harder to hear. Um, another thing that I would suggest, so think about the difference between these two things, all right? So two ways to communicate the same thing. Okay, option number one. You just don't care about me at all. Okay, option number two. You know, yesterday when I was trying to talk with you about how I was doing, you changed the subject and you didn't ask any follow-up questions. And that made me feel sad. Okay? Obviously, that's kind of a, kind of a caricature, right? But, but obviously, it's kind of communicating the same thing. But which one do you think is actually going to get through the person? Probably the second one. Right? Write down this formula, and this is, again, this is a way to get in the practice of having a soft word, a gentle answer that's going to be more likely to get through and have an impact in the long run as opposed to the harsh word. So, you did plus I felt. You did plus I felt. You did or you said plus I felt. You know, so often when we communicate these things, we go, we go directly to assuming the person's motive. You just don't care about me. You don't, you don't care about this job. You're just not a hard worker. You're not honest with me. Right? And, and we're, we're characterizing and we're judging the person and we're assuming that we know their, their motives. And instead, you can communicate the same, in the same situation by saying, you know what? Oh, I got quiet. What happened? <laughs> you, you, you know what? When you come in, when you come in late to work, I feel stressed because I'm worried we're not going to get all of our work done. Okay, when you, when you said this, when you were critical of the way I was doing blank, that made me feel really nervous because I'm worried that I'm going to screw up again. Right? As opposed to, you're just so terrible at that. I wish you would get your act together with that. Okay? I felt, or, or you said, or you did, plus I felt. And again, being specific. Not you always blank. Or, oh my gosh, just another time when you blank. Being specific, this is the time that I noticed this. This is the way it made me feel. 
Okay, there was a time um, when I was, there was a guy that I was, I was leading. This was a number of years ago. And, um, and, and, and this person was, um, this person was very sensitive. They're a very sensitive person. And I noticed very often that as, that this person would, would take things very hard and it would kind of become a problem in the organization. Okay, and, and, and this person would sometimes, ha- they, they would get in the habit of, of kind of, of complaining about others, and sometimes there would be a decision that we felt like, you know, was a pretty good decision that was that actually, it was something that they could, that, that they'd be able to take to heart, and was something that people could get behind, but this person would kind of complain about it a lot. And I was talking to this, to this friend, and I, um, I, I tried to put these things into practice, and what I told him is, I started again by affirming the relationship you know, I, I care about you, I love you, I appreciate these things about you. And what I said is, you know, when I'm around you and I hear you complaining about decisions that leadership has made, it makes me feel nervous because I'm afraid I'm going to offend you. And that's all I said. And it led to this really good conversation with this particular guy where he was, that was kind of the first, the, the beginning of a process where he was able to, to uncover that, that he did have some things he needed to work on. But if I would have come in and said, hey, you better get yourself together, stop complaining, you know, you need to be a team player, blah, 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 I don't think we would have gotten there, right? Well, three, so that's three proverbs for person number two, four proverbs for person number, for person number one in this situation. And I'll go, go through these pretty quickly. First of all, be a learner. Proverbs 15.32 says, whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. We need to go through life not thinking that we already know how to do things, but instead recognizing that we're not perfect, we're not complete products, and we need the people around us to help us see our blind spots. We need to learn from the people that are around us. Number two, take it seriously. Take it seriously. Proverbs 27, six says, the wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. When somebody is coming to you and telling you something hard, somebody that you believe cares about you, It's because they love you. They want to help you grow. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy. If there's somebody that you really believe, maybe they're not perfect, maybe they're not smarter than you, maybe they're not as experienced as you, but you really believe this person actually cares about you and they desire to help you, and they come to you and they point something out that might be a little bit hard to hear, think about how easy it would have been for them instead of talking to you about that, to talk about that with somebody else. They cared enough about you to actually come to you. So you should take it seriously. You know, a second ago I said, when you're giving somebody this type of feedback, you should try to be as specific as possible, right? Don't say you always, or this is just another example of when you try to be specific with the, this is what happened, this is the way it made me feel, and maybe this is what I think we could do instead, right? But when you're on the receiving end, it's your job to, th- to take what they say and try to figure out how deep it might go. Okay, they might be bringing up this specific example, this specific situation, 
but you can listen to it, you can hear it, and you can say, you know what? This person's talking about this one particular example. I think it might go deeper than that. Let me go and ask a couple other people, hey, you know, I got some feedback recently that I, that I do this, that this is, the way, this is the way I act that makes people feel uncomfortable. Have you noticed that? And go and do some crowdsourcing and get some more feedback because maybe you'll take this little kind of incision that they make and dig deeper and find out there's actually a lot more to uncover. You know, have you ever talked to somebody, I've had this experience before where you go and you talk to somebody about something that you think they need to grow in and they're like, well, give me an example. Give me an example. And then so you, you give them an example and then they say, well, that's just one example, <laughs> right? And again, it's our job when we're on the receiving end of things to not just try to explain away or shoot down their example, but take it seriously and take it to heart because that, that's one of the primary ways that God communicates things to us. Number three, be grateful. Be grateful. This is what David says in Psalm 141. He says, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil from my head. Let my head not refuse it. It's funny because everybody says they hate yes men, right? If you say, what type of friends do you want? Would you rather have friends that are going to tell you your blind spots and be honest with you? Or would you rather have friends that are just going to tell you you're fine and just flatter you? Everybody says, everybody hates the yes man. Everybody says that they hate the yes man or the yes woman. The person that's just going to tell you everything's fine. But we also really hate it when people tell us no. Right? We always say, hey, I want feedback. Hey, I want you to help me grow. But in that moment, when somebody comes to you and actually talks to you about something, it's easy to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you attacking me? Right? The person who comes to you directly to talk about something like that is not your enemy. The person who's your enemy is the person who's going to talk about it behind your back and tear you down, right? So you need to affirm that friend. This is one of the main reasons I talked a second ago about in the church, how we want to be a church where our, our commitment to you as church leaders and church pastors is if you come and bring something to us, we're going to take it very seriously. We're going to seriously consider it. We're not just going to brush it off, right? And we want your commitment to us to be that when you see something that needs to be done better, you won't talk about us, you'll talk to us. You know one of the reasons that a lot of times people don't want to talk to a church leader? It's because when they do talk to the church leader, they just get shot down, or they get brushed off, or they get labeled the problem person, the insubordinate person, right? The people that are going to come to you and say those types of things are not your enemy, they're your friend, and you should be glad that God's put people around you like that. And finally, don't be defensive. Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. When you're hearing something that's a little bit harder to hear that somebody's trying to tell you, the first thing that's going to happen, and this is across the board for all of us, it's our first reaction, we come up with all these ways we could explain what happened in a better light. We come up with all these things, all these reasons why what that person said isn't valid. We come up with all, we immediately start thinking of all these ways 
that that person actually needs to grow too and start doing what about right? That's what a fool does. A fool is not interested in what I can learn from this person who's humbly coming to me and talking to me about this. A fool just wants to make sure that they get a chance to say what they think, okay? A good thing to do when somebody's communicating something like this, and really in general, but especially when there might be a disagreement or when there's somebody who's coming to you and communicating some negative feedback, before you start to respond, before you start to defend yourself, make sure that you can explain the perspective that they shared with you in a way that they are satisfied with. Does that make sense? With you come and you tell me something, before I'm going to start explaining and say, yeah, but you didn't know the whole story, and actually, you know, this is why I did that. Before I start doing that, I'm going to, I'm going to rephrase what that person said to me in my own words in a way that they would hear and say, yes, that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think you have understood me. Okay, now I'm ready to go and start analyzing and thinking about it. And maybe the best thing to do at the end of this conversation is just to say, hey, you know what? Thank you for caring enough to talk to me about this. Let me take some time and think and pray about it and not make the mistake of responding too early. Doesn't mean you have to do everything they say. Doesn't mean they're right. But you just want to take your time and take it seriously and think about it. Well, um, I talked to a lot of people after the sermon last week. We were talking about gossip. And probably the most common thing that I heard is, wow, that was convicting. That was convicting. You know, when we really start thinking about gossip, it's something that we all kind of do. And, you know, maybe as you're sitting here today and you hear me talking about instead of gossiping, instead of drawing on bitterness, actually going to that person and having that, that conversation where you're reasoning frankly with somebody, maybe that feels convicting too. Maybe you've thought of somebody that you need to go to um, sometime this week and, and, and have a frank conversation with. That can be pretty convicting, and in one way, I'm glad. I'm glad it's convicting, because I'm thankful for verses like Proverbs that get into the nitty-gritty of our lives and uncover sins that we need to confess and we need to change from. And it's good to be convicted. I feel convicted. I hope we all do. On the other hand, I hope it's not just convicting. I hope it's exciting. I hope it's exciting. And here's what I mean by that. Don't you want to be a part of a church where we talk to each other instead of talking about each other? Don't you want to be a part of a church where the pastors trust that people are going to come to us and bring their honest feedback and criticism? And the church members trust that the pastors are actually going to take it seriously? Don't you want to be in a life group where when somebody says something that offends you or, or you say something that offends the other person, instead of just kind of separating into different factions about politics or about COVID or about, about whatever, that we actually go and we hash it out and we reason frankly don't you want to be in a church where five years from now you look back and like, man, I remember when that person and I, we were really, we were really at odds. 
But we didn't talk about each other, we talked to each other. And look at where we are now. That's the church I want to be a part of. And that's the church that I pray that we can become by the grace of God. Well, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Thank you for the way your word just cuts into our heart. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, would you please help us? Help us to know conversations that we might need to have. God, I pray you convict me. I pray you convict my brothers and sisters here of times where we might have been harsh and aggressive instead of being gentle and humble with the way we talk. God, I pray that when we come to each other, you would give us the humility, you give us the sense to actually grow and actually listen. And God, I pray that this would be a church where we're working together and we're building each other up in the Holy Spirit for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name.